Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, March 22nd. This is episode number 142. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Uh, they're they're going. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what's happened since the last time we spoke, but um, still rooting for my team. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, so um, we've got some ground to cover tonight, and we're going to do that. And uh, here joining us and uh, to kind of help us wade through things is uh, always positive Jay. Jay, how are you tonight? As my boss's grandfather would say, can't complain. No one will listen. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you guys can find Jay on the uh, Voice of the Land podcast and uh, follow him at Always Positive Jay. So we appreciate you joining us. Um, we're going to talk a bunch of a uh, bunch of Browns. Um, uh, yeah, Jeff and I haven't spoken on the podcast for about two weeks, so um, we got some stuff to catch up on. Uh, most of the recent developments, but um, before we get into that, Jay, we're going to turn things over to you and. Um, let you tell us about your journey as a Browns fan, uh, whatever you'd well, like to share. All right. Like growing up, I'm directly from Cleveland, Slavic Village area. So like everyone loves the Browns as a little kid. But unique to me is my dad was a crane operator. He's retired now. So when they took down the old stadium, he took that down and he built he was the crane operator that built the new stadium including Jacobs Field and Gun Arena. So, like, teenage boy, my dad's building these stadiums. It just, like, injected so much fandom into me. And that's why if you look around in my basement right now, it's just covered in orange and brown member, Browns memorabilia all over the place. Like, most of our Browns fans in their little uh, fan caves. Yeah. I don't want to sound stupid here, Jay, but when you say he was the crane operator, when when they're building a stadium, I haven't been around this much. I they have more. How many cranes do they have going? Was he? He's not the only they, guy working. A crane, no, he's he? not. And okay. no, he always tries to make me like humble him. He's like, you know, I'm like one of three crane operators. I'm like, you got to realize, I like as a kid, I was like telling people, you built the stadium. Like, yeah, you know, he is only one <laughs> crane operator. I'm probably three. But to me, he built the stadium. There were there was no other plumbers or electricians. You know, my dad built the whole thing by himself in his crane. But there's only three cranes. It's not like there's thirty or forty. No, no, no. yeah, there's yeah. only like three, I think, at max. But he oh. got he did get to take down uh, the old Chief Wahoo from the Municipal Stadium. Like he actually took that down and put up the original scoreboard at like Jacobs Field and. So you probably Supposedly have the old Chief Wahoo he, in your basement, right? No, it's actually it's at a historical society somewhere, I believe. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, he claims cool that story. he was the first person to ever complete a pass in the stadium. So <laughs> I blame him for all our misery. <laughs> I bet he loves that. <laughs> like, I bet you guys have great What were you man. thinking? Oh yeah, like that's our big connection is me and my dad is sports. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, thanks. Um, all right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna talk some Browns, and you know, um, 
some things have happened uh, really since we talked football. Last the last episode we did on this show last week, we we talked just about beer. We didn't even talk about the Browns. So it's really been two weeks since we've addressed anything Browns related. Uh, you know, the very first podcast we did on on this on this on this show, the very first podcast was done the day or the day after the Browns signed Kareem Hunt, um, and we had a very you know, a serious conversation about that. So um, this is really nothing new for this podcast. Um, you know, we and we've tackled other topics in that. Um, you know, Matt, the I, first podcast I ever had to do was it wasn't unexpected. It was the day after like the protests slash riots or whatever downtown in Cleveland. And we didn't see it coming. He's like, we got to change everything. I'm like, oh, OK, I guess this is what we're going to talk about. I thought we were talking about sports, but yeah. Yeah. These are not, they're not easy conversations, but they're needed conversations. Yeah, you talk about what you need right. to talk about. And, you know, in this instance, I, I think uh, people need to know that, um, you, you know, from my standpoint, anyway, speaking for the podcast, we're sensitive to the feelings that everybody has. And I understand that everybody has their own feelings on on the acquisition uh, of, of Watson, you know, on the uh, on their feelings as far as how Baker Mayfield was treated and, and everything else. Um, and, and I think everybody has a right to those feelings. And I would never try to get anybody to, uh, you know, to change or, or to feel bad about those feelings, anything like that. I think you're entitled to feel the way you feel. Um, but, you know, it, it's up to you. Uh, really what your stance is um, but you know that this is a football podcast but right now um, this is kind of where the the uh, you know the, the um, professional side and the business side of, of football is meaning you know the personal and moral side of our lives mm-hmm. and we have to kind of uh, dev- decide where that line is you know for some of us some people can just look at this as strictly a football move and some people look at it as only you know a moral issue um you know and some people are kind of torn in between and that's kind of where you know where i've found myself throughout this uh, uh you know up to, up to this point so um so jay you've had a chance to talk about this and i'm going to get back to you but i want i just want jeff's feelings first of all as far as how he felt um, when he heard this trade went through because it was crazy because I think everybody thought that the, I mean, the, we knew the Browns were out of this and then all of a sudden you're hearing that it happened. That's a complete blindsiding. So Jeff, how did you feel when you heard that the, that the trade happened? Yeah, I, I think shocked is a, is a good word. Um, because as you mentioned, we really felt at that point, like, um, we were out of the running and, you know, that whole possibility was behind us. Uh, and then it was just going to be dealing with the other fallouts. Um, it just sort of injected a whole new level of fallout um, to the off season. And I, th- I think what's important for us as fans now is to get through that process and figure out a way to move forward as fans. Um, you know, where does, where does the, this, you know, this season is traditionally 
um, uprooting. It's it's gut wrenching. It's you know favorite players getting cut. It's teams making business decisions about different things. And it you know it's it's always a tough time of year for fans. Um, I think what we have to do is is figure out a way to identify with the players that we like and and that we want to root for and find a way past the 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 feeling that we need to somehow punish the team for wanting to get better and you know whatever that takes for each of us um we've got a few months to to figure that out so uh jay i'll let you uh, kick your thoughts onto that well yeah like i think i'm like everybody else completely shocked i mean if you follow me on twitter i was pretty vocal i did not want watson i was against it but I, I don't control the roster either, so, and with everyone's opinion, it's like everyone has an opinion they're formed from our life experiences, so you can't tell someone how to feel like in this, because you don't know what they've been through, like, if someone was an attack victim of themselves or just knew someone close to them that was, they're obviously going to be far more sensitive to this than someone that's never had it and is a guy, and a guy's like definitely need to like listen more to women right now, be more understanding and compassionate and try to like learn. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to like be a know-it-all in this situation. Cause we have no idea what it's like to be in that kind of situation that these women were alleged to be in and how they feel like we have no idea what that's like, but we can try to listen and learn, but yeah, it's, it's rough right now it's it's hard and i'm trying as a podcaster myself like i gotta get to a point where we gotta break this down as a football player and what we can do now and getting excited for what possibilities we have now on offense and i can't go there yet and it's a that's where i'm torn in this whole situation is i can't even get excited about a move that if this guy didn't have these allegations we would be doing backflips down the street about getting but it's got this dark cloud over it. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what if we win the Super Bowl this year? Like, what is that going to feel like? Like, I'm like, Oh yeah, we won the Super Bowl, but I kind of feel like the Astros when they won the world series, will it be tainted? Will it be as joyous as we've been wanting it to be after all this long wait? These are all these questions I'm coming up to myself with all this right now. I mean, how do you guys feel? If we were to win a Super Bowl, how would you feel? Well, I think it's like what Jeff said. It's, it's, we, have, we have a process to work through before we get to that. I think, and I, totally I think we're all going to be able to do that. Um, you know, and, and you can't focus on other players and things like that. But I think by the time we get to playoffs in, in that, I'm not going – I'm not, and I'm not going to say that people are going to forget about this. I'm going to say there, there will be other information out there, and I think there will maybe, um, you know, I, I think we'll maybe um, those of us who really, I didn't know much about this case, and, and I'll address that a little bit later. But I didn't know much about this case at all, other than the 22 accusers, and so I was in the same boat as you, Jay. I, I did not want this trade to happen. Um, you know, and I felt horrible for, you know, for the for the 
the uh, female, the women fans of, of the Browns when this happened. Um, I'm like, this this is horrible. That's my first thought. You know, I, I can't believe that the Browns, you know, did this. Um, but I, I think that um, I think the you know the, I think we're going to have a chance to gather more information and you know and, and we'll we'll see. I think based on that information, that's going to determine how we're going to feel if in fact the Browns make a deep run in the playoffs or and or win a Super Bowl. I mean, there's other things coming along. You know, there's the there's the NFL investigation. There's all these civil lawsuits. There's hopefully um, hopefully there will be um, press conferences with the Browns. Um, you know, and I think all these pieces are going to help people to um, you know e- either uh, you know form opinions or move on one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I don't know which way, but I, I think it's going to help to determine how people are going to feel. So, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I felt horrible about it. Um, and f- for me, you know, I actually started digging into this case like a couple nights ago. And, I'm, you know, and I'm trying to look it over and, and I'm seeing stuff on both sides, you know, um, that that. The, so many women stood up for Watson and this and that, and that you know the lawyer that brought the suits a creep and all this stuff, and and and, and on the other side you got the idea that you know could could twenty two women possibly all be lying and all this stuff, and I, you know and I'm looking, I'm like you know what, I'm not a lawyer, and I really don't want to become a lawyer or try to be a lawyer with all this. I'm going to leave um, this to the experts, you know. So, you won't hear me say very much about this because I, like you, I'm not going to try to talk about something that I'm not yeah. fully educated on. Like it's that'd be right. foolish. I, right. I, so, I so, expressed yeah, that so I started guy, looking. Now at that it, we I'm got like, him, it, it's like, yeah, I I could look at this stuff all day, Jay and Jeff, and I'm 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 not going to find enough information to come to a conclusion to say, you know, that the Browns made a good decision or the Browns made a bad decision. Um, you know, it, it looks bad based on the 22 accusations. And I think that that's kind of where probably most people stand right now. And I think that's probably what you have to believe. But if you look at the other side, there's, you know, there's a chance that, you know, there's a chance that, um, you know, it's not as bad as it looks and we just have to see how it comes out. You know, that that's kind of where I stand on it. So, been a couple uh, silver linings of this whole thing is how much money has been raised for foundations that help women in these kind of situations. And if we're taking this guy on, like, I would just love to, like, as fans, I would love to see Cleveland become the, like, forefront of, like, trying to help these situations and making it yeah. better for women and stuff. Like, I, I, I agree don't want with our you. city to be tainted by this whole situation. Like, no, man, and that's that, that's what I would like to see in the press selfish. conference. I don't mean to be selfish in that way, but that's what I would like to see at the press conference is, is you know, is the Browns pledging to put up so much money toward, you know, um, shelters and rape crisis centers and everything else. You know, um, say. You know, you, you can stand up there and say, hey, we think he's innocent. But you know what? We understand this issue and, and how 
how much we've hurt the fans by, you know, by having this happen so quickly without addressing it, you know, the issues. So here's what we're going to do. And I agree with you. Um, you know, they could definitely try to turn that part into a, to a positive within the community. Like, so just so having j- conversations right now is helping this. Like it is. open conversations helps so much. Like I've learned, I mean, we all learned that when, the Black Lives Movement happened, and just the conversations I had with so many people, and how much I've learned from all that was amazing. And so, like, it is a dark thing, but there's always a, a, a good to come out of something if you could find it. And that's what we got to search for right now as fans. After, like, and like you said, we got to process all this. Yeah. So, um, Jeff, other thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a tough conversation to have. Um, I think what we need to remember is that without the baggage, Deshaun Watson is never coming here. We don't, as an organization, have an opportunity to sign or to acquire a franchise-type quarterback at his level without the baggage. It, It just, it wouldn't be happening. So I think the trade-off here, and, and it, maybe, it's not a, maybe it's not a desirable trade-off in some people's minds, but the trade-off here is that, you know, the Browns had to make a business decision based on a judgment of an individual and his ability to perform at a Super Bowl level and whether they felt like they needed to go all in on that based on a very unique opportunity. That, you know, again, you're, you're not going to go get Brett Favre in his prime or, you know, any quarterback at that level in Cleveland unless something like this happens. And I think that's that's the opportunity that that this baggage created for the Browns to, to you know, significantly upgrade the quarterback position from a performance on the field standpoint. And I guess that's what those guys get paid to do. Um, look at individual positions on the field and determine where they have the best opportunities to make the most dramatic improvements that leads to potential championships. And I, we would not be having this conversation about them upgrading the quarterback position like this if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson's baggage. We would be talking about who are they bringing in as a backup or as a challenge to Baker as the starter. We've, we've talked about this several times over, you know, previous podcasts, Rod, that you know, we yeah. felt like they needed to bring somebody in to challenge him. Um, you know, they needed to upgrade the backup position, um, you know, with Case Keenum, um, you know, his, his numbers coming off the books. Um, but I think this was a very unique place in time where the Browns and several other organizations had an opportunity to go get a player at that level that they would never have had a chance at otherwise. And I think, you know, sometimes in, in sports and, and, and other things in life, you have to take some risk to get some potential reward. I hope that risk pays off for the team, you know, and only time and, you know, the judicial system and, and people's perceptions will determine whether or not, you know, they made the right move. 
Yeah, and uh, I'm sure the Browns did a lot of. I, I would like to think they did a lot of analysis on this and said, you know, the uh, risk reward of, of winning versus the damage done by bringing him in versus you know versus paying him this gigantic contract and everything else. So, um, you know, I would think from a business standpoint, they think they made a good decision. Um, you know, but uh, like I mean, you said, it, it still depends how it plays out. The cold, hard truth, I don't agree with this. So, like, if the people listening to this, please, this isn't my point of view, but the, it is the truth that people do move on. We watched Michael Vick and what he did, and he served his time and everything, but he came back and what he did to dogs, which even in, like, if you're watching, I'll put it this way, if you're watching a movie and there's people dying, if a dog gets hurt, we're like, oh, like, you don't mess with dogs, yeah. cats, and horses, and that dude did. And people moved on. That was, it's what happens. And no, you're right. I, I think it's, people, it's just, this isn't just a about, Browns problem. This is no, way bigger than just a Brown oh, problem yeah. either. It's about, you know, as human beings, giving people second chances and, you know, letting the justice system do what it's supposed to do. And, you know, we, we don't have a perfect judicial system, but it's, it's, pretty good and i think at the end of the day um people you you can't punish people for accusations that's just not how our justice system works um so as uncomfortable but, as it is but there to is a difference the, the between the eye of the court and the eye of the public opinion no doubt that always no doubt yeah. and in, and in the and in the and in the court of public opinion um, we are very quick to convict. Yes. Um, and and as as a as a society, we're very quick to to distance ourselves from anything that that looks uncomfortable. So I, I painted this scenario like, like this: is if we had an island, and we were all stuck on an island, and we, there's a hundred guys and a hundred girls. And one girl goes up to us and goes, oh, this guy's doing this and that. We'll be like, you have proof. But we don't have the scientific stuff to prove anything. We have to go by word of mouth. If two girls go to one guy, we're like, all right, we got to question this. But we still, you know, you guys could be gathering up and going against this guy. If 22 of these women go and this come up to us, we're going to tell us, dude, he needs to build a raft and get off our island. You know what I mean? That's, that's why the court of public opinion kind of works like that. We can't it's a numbers thing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But, I mean, people, you know, people have to, people have to come to terms with um, the whole idea of athletes and, you know, the whole athlete slash role model thing and, and uh, entertainment versus, you know, um, you know, looking up to these guys and everything else and, and realizing that a lot of these guys have issues and, and are not perfect. I mean, some of these guys, some of these guys are great. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know that you know you'd have no problem dropping your kids off and 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 having some of these guys watch your kids for a weekend but but um well, you know well, not every guy I like, would say like it, you know? most of them are good people yeah yeah most of them that. are most of them are but some but of like them are every job in every place and everywhere there are bad people yeah I mean, absolutely there's bad plumbers there's bad electricians there's bad teachers these people are just massive millionaires and their faces all over TV. 
Yeah. So um, hopefully people can, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's going to take time, but hopefully I think people, hopefully, I say hopefully, but people will work through this. Um, but people will come to their own conclusions. Um, you know, some people will move on, like you said, Jay. A lot of people will. I think I think a lot of people who uh, who were going to leave the fan base have probably already left. Um you know, some people are, I, I are kind of waiting bad for the people that are very, very torn on this. Some left and like you could see like they kind of wish they didn't, but they're like, yeah, oh, you know, well, how do I do this? And That's tough. I, I mean, it's so bad for them. Some of us have been fans for a long, long time, you know, and, and should we really have to leave this fan base and this team over one player, one decision? I Ultimately, you know, it kind of came down to that for me. I'm like, you know, I sat there thinking, man, this is horrible. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not leaving this team. I've been a fan of this team for 40 years. I'm not leaving this team over one move. There's no way, no matter how much I would disagree with it. You know, I, mean, and, I told um, you why, I, how I feel and why I feel the way I do. Yeah. Yeah. My dad built the house that these guys play in, in my opinion, and like in my heart. And so I see this place. And absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it'd be, it's hard for me to turn my back to on people. Great people like Ward, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett. Like, there's so many good that people too. on that team. Like that, I just love to watch, and yeah. I can't, you know. Yeah, same here. And look at Kareem same Hunt. Here. Kareem Hunt made one mis- like really bad mistake on a drunken night, and it was a horrible mistake. But he truly has, I believe, and I hope I'm right, learns from this, and is not only learn from it, but he's making giant strides to help with it and other help other people with it. Mm-hmm. And I like people think this is an NFL problem with, with what they do to women and how they treat women, and especially like abuse with women. But I believe it's much deeper than that. It's a society problem. Oh, it is. And yeah. I think a lot of kids are raised in situations that they should not be raised in. We need to do a much better job as a society as a whole and start looking out for these kids a lot better. Yeah. Well, guys, we, we could probably talk about Deshaun Watson for another hour. Um, and yeah. we clearly understand the severity and the gravity of the situation and, and the way people are feeling. But I would like to talk to talk about uh, some other things. Um it's still Watson related, but the the interesting thing is the is the compensation how this how this changed, um, you know, um, how the uh, the actual trade package changed after what was initially announced. So uh, the Browns well, we don't actually, get to see mock drafts with for three years. Yeah, not much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Browns are giving. <laughs> we up. love mock drafts in Cleveland. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't give up on that just yet, Jay. <laughs> Yeah, you never this know. Year, you know that this year there's an awful lot of really good players in the mid rounds, and I think Andrew Barry has, if he's done anything, he's demonstrated to us that he can find tremendous value with those picks. So I'm still looking yeah. forward uh, to the draft. Alcoholics would be looking at those second, third, fourth round uh, mock draft for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I obviously was looking forward to seeing what happened with number 13, but um, I realistically didn't think they were going to pick there anyway. I thought they were going to trade down. So I, I like, I'm looking forward to what happens in the draft and how that impacts the roster, but even more so now that there is a clear signal 
from this team. And, and I mentioned it with the Amari Cooper signing, that that was a signal that the Browns were going all in to win a I love him, the by the two, way. Two years, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. tremendous signing. Trem- he's, he's, he's Nick Chubb as a wide receiver. Um, yeah, from a, right. from a human right. being standpoint, I think. Um, so I love that signing, but it was it was an early indication that this team was going to be all in. And I think it's going to be fun to watch now what the Browns do with this cap space that they're going to have. Um, you know, once they move Baker and if, if they're able to move off his contract by some miracle, which I kind of doubt. Um, that would put them over $50 yeah. million dollars in cap space. Okay. So what, what are they, what moves are they going to make? What guys are they going to bring in to fill out the roster with the idea that they want to win a Super Bowl, a la the LA Rams, um, in the next year or two? Um, they've got the flexibility to do it. They've got the, the, the back end loaded contracts with Cooper. Um, think about this for a second. I mentioned this to you, Rod. That uh, right now in, in 2022 season, um, Deshaun Watson and Amari, Amari Cooper will cost the Browns against the cap the same amount as Jarvis Landry would have if they had kept him on the roster. So oh, wow, that kind of it, it, Andrew Barry is is really smart about how he structures these things, and there's there's tremendous potential put together a championship roster over the next two seasons. And, and I, I'm looking forward to that and, and how the draft supplements it. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm still enthusiastic about the team, the Browns team. I think, you know, these, these changes in personnel um, will, will work through, but you gotta, you gotta stay focused on what they're trying to do, which is turn around a, a franchise that has been absolutely horrible for the last 20 years. And, and turn it into something that we can all be proud of from a win standpoint. Um, so I, I'm still I'm still upbeat on that. Well, I totally agree. I mean, that's there's a reason I said if we win a Super Bowl, how do you think you feel? Because we've never had this good of a chance ever, and it's never been this close. Like, yeah. Well, and, and to answer that and question, I don't think I did before. I, I would be absolutely. Over the moon if the Browns won a Super Bowl, and I think 100% of the people in this town would be as well. And they will completely forget about all of the baggage that got us there once we win that Super Bowl. You're I'll still talking about one guy. That day. Yeah, I'll yeah, just I have mean, a couple beverages and I'll forget. I'll, I'll enjoy yeah, the moment I mean, it, myself. It's not like they raided the penitentiary and we got, you know, 12 guys out there, you know, um, <laughs> winning it for us. If, you know, it's one guy, and people can not like him um you know it, i mean it's, it's, the realistic thing about watson is and i heard i think it was nathan zagura i heard pointed out is if the nfl did a complete redraft of all the players he's a top five pick like and he's a quarterback we have that that is unbelievable to hear as a browns fan like i was like oh wow that like really took me back i'm like that, if that defense continues like they did last year and this offense goes what, what I think, like, before all this happened, I absolutely loved Watson. That's the weird thing. Like, he's a phenomenal yeah. player. He is really yeah. good. And we mocked when I believe his coach from Clemson said he's going to be the Michael Jordan of the NFL. And I'm like, well, you might be right. This dude is incredible. And then everything changed. I mean, we are where we are, but 
Yeah. Getting guys like Amari Cooper is amazing. Like, I love him. He's got great hands, amazing route runner. And like you said, he just catches the ball and goes to the next play. He's so Nick Chubbish. And I believe I was listening to CBD today, and they had a beat reporter from Houston. He was saying, we don't even really need to draft a high-end receiver or sign a high another high-end receiver because he'll make people better. And I cannot wait to see Donovan Peoples-Jones with him. I got to in the joke me too. Those two, I'm unbelievably excited, and I got to watch myself in my fantasy drafts. So I don't overdraft them again. You take DPJ in the third round. I can't do it, but I'll try. <laughs> I'll try not to at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Browns still have. Uh, they still have. Um, they're you know 44, the the uh, second round pick, and then they got the. Um, Two two third rounders, right, and then um, mm-hmm. the one fourth rounder left. So they gave up the uh, they gave up up the first fourth rounder um, this year in the Watson uh, trade. Yeah. So they they still have four picks, um, one eighteen or higher, and then and then they've got uh, sixth rounder and and um, two seventh rounders. So no, I, I would not be at all surprised to the players. If, if, Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I would not be at all surprised if Andrew Berry found a way to get back into the bottom of the first round in this draft. I agree with that. Totally he agree. could. Who do you think that, who do you guys think they would want to take then? Let's say they got in the bottom of the first or early second or whatever. Who do you think they want to take first? Do you think it's a wide receiver or defensive lineman or other work? You know, it, it's it's still too, too early to say, I think, Jay, because we don't know. Mm-hmm who they're going to be able to plug in in free agency. Um, And, and, you know, obviously there are some big needs right now. Um, But, you know, if, if somehow they do manage to bring Javion Clowney back, that changes the priority completely for me. Yeah. Yeah. It changes. Definitely. So, um, you know, I, I think looking at this draft, like I said, there, there are some, some real solid players in the second and third round that I think, depending on what the Browns want to do defensively um, and, and who they're able, able to bring in, um, you know, at those positions of need, uh, there might be some guys that, that, you know, Andrew Berry goes aggressively after to plug those holes because even, you know, even though he will be looking at, at every, every player, regardless of cost to get to the promised land, you still have to be thinking about those guys who you can control for the, you know, extent of their rookie deal. Um, and so, you know, to bring in another edge guy that, you know, plugs in opposite Miles Garrett with some cost control for the next four to five years, you know, that's a big deal. That's a, that's an important move to make now with the eye toward, you know, the next five seasons, you know, so perfect perfect scenario would be to find, you know, find somebody um, like, you know, one of the, one of the edge guys that dropped down into the low thirties, like, you know, maybe that first uh, or actually second Detroit pick number 32, they've got 32 and 34. If we could figure out a way to get into 32, um, you know, and, and, and have that guy drop down to us, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's trailing Burks, you know, um, he, you know, it's, I see him all over um, the mocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody's got to fall down I mean, there. I mean, yeah. the edge, 
yeah, maybe maybe it's one of the D tackles, you know, that, that they really like. Maybe it's a safety, you know. Um, but yeah, the way this draft sets up, there's going to be some really good players in that range. Um, that you know, I think we still have the draft capital to go after, and even if it means borrowing from future drafts um, to get up to there, because we don't now have to start stockpiling picks to draft a quarterback next year, like we were thinking we were going to have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big makes a big difference. Um, yeah, I mean twenty. Uh, yeah, next year. I mean next year. Uh, I don't know if they have any additional picks, but they gave up the first and the third, so you're looking second, fourth, fifth. You know, so um, no. kind of a little sparse. So uh, can be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I think. So the, um, I mean, the back end of our defense is pretty solid, from what I believe. Mm-hmm. So if we could just cheer up that defensive line again, like pray that we get Clowney, that's the huge piece that I think we all agree on. And I think we were like rumored maybe like someone like a Hakeem Nix from the Bears, plug in the middle. And we just, man, I, I, I'm i starting to get real excited about this. I'm not going to lie. Like when I think of how our defense was playing last year at the end of the season, if we could have just had any kind of offense and with Watson, whenever, if he can, you know, depending on if he gets suspended and how long it is, when he gets going, this offense can just take off. Yeah, and they pretty much need to rebuild that defensive line. I mean, there, there's a few other holes, but they've filled a lot of, they've filled a lot of little spots already, mm-hmm. you know, by bringing back um, Anthony Walker, um, you know, Brissett, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Jakeem Grant and um, uh, Taven Bryan, I guess, is, is a one-year deal. Um, I don't know what Chase Winovich's contract is. I guess he's he's probably going to play. You know, I think he's going to be the tack role, right? You know, an edge guy. So that gives us, what, two more guys. So we're up to, like, five guys for the defensive line now. Which <laughs> 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 means we need, like, five or six more. those guys. Yeah, they need yeah, like five or six more guys. <laughs> we'll end up with ten or twelve D tackles in camp. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know, I think uh, resigning Chris Hubbard was a, was a nice was a nice deal too. Um, I don't. Yeah, I mean, if, if Chris if Chris Hubbard can come back from that injury and, and be anything like what he was two seasons ago, I think now you don't have to go out and look for a swing tackle, and that's huge. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, especially if this line could just stay healthy for at least a first half and let him get healthier and healthier that'd be great yeah 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 then you're getting to a point where you're drafting guys to uh you know to to more develop instead of having to step in you know um and Mm -hmm. and that's the idea you have these guys on these rookie deals that can you know that can uh, be around for a few seasons uh, especially you know the second and second third fourth round picks that can uh Develop. Look, we're getting Nick Harris is going to be starting at center, I believe, this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, they can we're a little like thin that. there. We're a little thin center. This might be a hot take. I don't know, and I don't like doing hot takes or whatever, really. But I think he's going to be better than Treader. I think Treader was really kind of getting slow there at the end of the season. And I love the guy, and he's a warrior, but he just, uh, I don't know. Seems on the last leg for me a little bit. 
I think Nick what Harris is going to be. I think Nick Harris is going to be interesting to watch. I mean, I, I hope he's as good as what the Browns think he is, you know, or as ready. Um, I know I know a lot of people like him. Um, you know, his, his size was a little bit of a concern to me. He's he's uh, you know slightly undersized, um, at least as far as how he looked out there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I trust, uh, you know, I trust the Browns and, and, and that to, to put the right guy out there. So if they think he's ready, I'm assuming he's ready. I mean, I, I, we got the best O-line coach in the NFL, I believe. I cannot think of his name right now off the top of my head. Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan. Thank yeah. you. God. I was That's why I didn't say his boy. name, Jay, because I couldn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, if, if Nick Harris is our starter this year, I think I'm, I'm OK with that. Um, I think he you know, came on toward the end of last year um, and sort of settled in at, at center after, you know, not really doing very well at guard. Um, I just I, I think we need some depth there. Um, you know, I mean, maybe there is that he's got Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller next to him. Right. That it doesn't hurt at all. No, well, no, they, no, they no, tendered, no. They tendered well, Hans and Dunn, so, um, you know, if, if Blake Hans is there, that's a nice fallback spot at center, too. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. guy named Blake. Guy we'll named see, Blake. We'll see who else they guy bring in. Guy named Blake. Yeah, but I mean. I think you're right, Rod. The real holes are on defense, particularly on the defensive line. Um, you know, we're returning almost all of our offense, as, as we've said before, with the exception of the couple trades. Um, so, you know, filling these holes on defense and, and being able to continue to grow the defensive unit um, so that we see a more consistent, um, you know, like we saw flashes of where they were really kind of a shutdown defense at times. Uh, boy, that'll take an awful lot of pressure off of these new guys on offense. And oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Jarvis if he's going to come back or not. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, but no action. Uh, there's also the the idea that uh, Will Fuller is supposed to follow uh, Watson wherever he goes. And as soon as right. as soon as I tweet about Will Fuller, people say, "Oh, he gets hurt all the time. He gets hurt all the time." Okay. <laughs> he he didn't. I was, he I was didn't, just about to say that. He he didn't. Right. He didn't play at all last year. Okay. He's got something with his finger. Um, you know, I like to think maybe. You know, maybe he's due to to play a majority of the games this season. He's just the guy who, when he's out there, he can take it. He can just take a game over, and you know he's got that chemistry with Watson. So I would take Wolf Fuller on a prove it contract, and if you get ten games out of him, <laughs> where he's out there um, scoring touchdowns, he's he's gonna more than pay for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see him on a one-year, real cheap deal, like you said, prove a deal. They're not y'all for that, because like you said, when healthy, that guy is explosive as a player. Yeah, no, I'm not. There's I no just, way I'm signing him to a big deal, you know, just because no. of the injury history. But I think that because he hasn't played a lot the past couple of years, and it wasn't a leg injury last year, that maybe he's due to, you know, maybe he, maybe he'll be a little healthier than usual this year. Yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't bet. I mean, I mean, I'm not putting money on or anything, but. <laughs> so I'd like to see him get a lot of those one-year prove-it deals for these guys. They got all the cap space in the world to do it, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, I mean, and having Watson, it's, believe it or not, it's going to lure other players to come here now. 
definitely seems like a lot of guys want to be here, and I, I think more guys are coming. Um, but the Browns are being def- definitely being deliberate about their their moves, and um, you know they're not rushing into anything. So uh, uh, yeah, they're from, making me really addicted to refreshing Twitter. Oh, no, like, I is there a new move. Is there I a know. new move? No moves. Oh, it, it's been horrible. It's been horrible. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, you guys, I, th- I think we've covered most of the, uh, really most of the the uh, changes and the moves that I had written down in that. Um, I think we'll I think we'll save the Baker talk for another show. Um, you know, I think that's going to be ongoing as far as what happens with him. So, um, I, I think uh, I, I know that uh, Jay, you have another uh, another commitment. So. Um, so I think we're just. Can I think I we're going to close about it Baker, though. Sure, if you want, go ahead. I just like. I know he's getting hated on a lot all over the place. Like, I love that dude. I appreciate everything he did. I watched him go out there all last year, beat up and play every single week and put his body on the line. I'll never forget the game he came out at the Jets. I was there. That was unreal feeling I'd never felt before. And I'll never forget the game at home against Pittsburgh during the COVID year to win, to get into that playoff. Being there, that was just two of the greatest games in my Browns history. And Baker, I wish you nothing but the best, man. I got to agree with you. You know, people can be down on him. I think that um, of the guys in that draft, I, I don't know that anybody would have, found any more success here than what Baker did, honestly, with all the changes no, I and everything. Agree. Um, he, he was in a tough spot. Um, I'm not going to make excuses because you can't make an excuse or you're making excuses for him. So anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm not here to make excuses. He, he did some, he did some very positive things. He did some very positive things for the franchise. Um, and I'm the same way. I, I, I wish him uh, luck and, you know, I hope he is able to you know, revive his career in another city. So, yeah, I mean, um, he was a part of a team that pulled us out of the depths of hell from football land. Yeah, so, nothing but love for him the rest of his career. Hope Absolutely. nothing but the best. Unless he's playing us, I hope he doesn't score at all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, uh, guys, I appreciate having me on. It was awesome talking to you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Jay. All right, you guys have a good night. All right, go Browns. You too. Go Browns. So, uh, so Jeff, is there anything else you want to cover before we kind of close down shop? Um, you know, just my thoughts on Baker. Um, I think he's he should get credit for the good things he did. Um. I still think he needs to be held accountable for not living up to being the number one pick in the draft. And I think he's really put his team in a tough spot um, right now with how they, how they try to get out from underneath the last year of his contract. Um, we can digest that whole that whole scenario of how everything went down in the future. Um, 
but it leaves a, a really sour taste in my mouth about how it happened. Um, we've yeah. talked about it before that, you know, I would have liked nothing better than for him to come back healthy this year and take on the challenge of a new backup would push him and, and give him every reason to play for either his next contract here or uh, his next deal somewhere else. Okay. He had every motivation in the world to come back here and perform at a high level. Um, but I think what happened was he got his feelings hurt. And yeah. Yeah. that's what led to all of this and, and the Browns feeling like they had to go out and overpay for Deshaun Watson. And, you know, we can argue about that down the road again, but that's that's how I see it right now. Um, and I'm incredibly disappointed that a guy who for four years was the face of the franchise and, you know, was viewed as putting the team on his back every week, quit that easily. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it, it's it's hard for me with the living up to the first overall pick thing because, you know, he, he was on such horrible teams early on. And I think, you know, his rookie season, he lived up to it. And, you know, in, in the in the playoff season, he lived up to it, um, you know. I, I so there I were flashes. He, he, he absolutely did, you know. Um, you know, and he had some crappy teams and a bunch of different coaches, and you know, and then he's hurt. So I, I just think, you know, for me, it was kind of an incomplete. I think it was kind of uh, still all contingent upon what he would have done this season. So I was, I'm, I'm with you. I kind of was hoping. Uh, my, my hope was that Baker was going to be the guy this year. And that he would yes. have been playing for that contract, and because I thought he was going to be pretty darn good this year, you know, I, I figured yeah. he would be. Um, but you know, that was, Browns went another that was way. What I but, hoped. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everybody wanted him to come back and play well, and, and that's all we really wanted from him for four years was just you know just play consistently well. Don't you don't have to set the world on fire. Okay, but right. the the ups right. and downs and so forth is what I think drove everybody crazy throughout his career, and and you know if if he really is the gutsy guy that that you know we think he is, you know, go out and prove it this year, you know, compete, go out and, and earn your next contract. Now what what's happened I think is is he's he's put himself and the team in a position where the Browns are going to probably have to pay a la Brock Osweiler. From under, and he's going to end up as a backup someplace, and really not have an opportunity to play a whole hell of a lot because teams aren't beating down the Browns' door to bring him in to start for them based on how this all went down. So he's he's hurt himself, and he's hurt the team, and that was really that that happened with the OBJ scenario as well. I just felt like he hurt himself and he hurt the team. Now so. I'm just having a real hard time swallowing all the, you know, poor Baker, you know, he's the wronged girlfriend and, and all that stuff. He should have just come out and played. Yeah, and I felt that way up until I found out that he said he wasn't going to play for the Browns again. At that point, it's kind of like, yeah, right. you know, what, what are you right. doing? So Yeah, he was he was but, already talking about he was going to hold out a camp. Yeah, I agree he, with you. Because that, he was arguing right. about the playbook. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, I, I'm just, I, I think we're going to learn a lot more about the behind the scenes stuff that we don't know about that, that really led to this divorce over the last 12 months or more. And yeah, I think you're right. How it forced the Browns into making this move for Watson, because I think they went down there, they made an offer with the idea that, okay, this, this could improve our team, but we still have a starting quarterback. Okay. Well then a lot of the language started and they, you know, more of the stuff started coming out where I almost think the Browns had to go down there again and overpay to convince Deshaun Watson to come here, or they knew they were going to be without a quarterback. Yeah, that, that's probably the case. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, uh, if Baker's smart, he'll just, uh, you know, and I guess it's kind of out of his hands at this point, but if he's smart, he's just going to get to another team, compete, do what he can. Because you look at uh, somebody like uh, Marcus Mariota, who really hasn't played much at all in, in what, a season right. or two, and and now right. he's back into a starting gig. So if you just yeah. if you just get your chips in a row and just be a good boy for a while, um, right. and jobs do open up. Yeah, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is the answer in Pittsburgh. Um, there's like, no. like you said, there, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things that open up. Um, right. I don't think player, most people would have expected Mitch to be a, a you know, go into a, a season as a penciled in, you know, a starter either anymore. So, right. Right. But you, no. The key to what you said is, is you know. Go and, and mind your business and and do what you're supposed to do to get that opportunity. And and based on what's happened recently, um, I don't know if Baker can keep his mouth shut long enough. He's going to have to, or it is going to derail his career. So, um, yeah. you know, because it's looking, uh, you know, unless something happens with Seattle and he's really able to go in there and win a starting job this season, um, you know, he, he's probably going to have to swallow his pride and, Spend a little time on the bench and get back into that role at some point over the over the next season or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish the best for him. Um, yeah, I do too. You know, I do too. Neither one of us thought it was a good move drafting him. Um, it it worked out fairly well for the organization. Um, yeah, for you know, the, we got some we got some you know really positive things out of that relationship. Um, the only thing I hope at this point is that we get as many positives out of this next quarterback scenario, because much like Baker, I was not a Deshaun Watson fan coming out of college. Um, I wasn't either. Not at all. No, you, you can't argue with the talent. Um, but um, I'll have a hard time rooting for him. I'll root for the team. Um but, you know, you just really hope that that the marriage works and he comes in here fully motivated to, to prove every everybody what a great player he is, because the alternative um, is is just so horrible for me to even think about that they have now guaranteed two hundred and thirty million dollars to a guy who pulls a Keith Hernandez on us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and where does that leave the organization? 
Right. Did you do you want to explain to Keith Hernandez? Because most people listening don't know who Keith Hernandez is. For the for the younger, is. yeah, for the younger listeners, um, Keith Hernandez was a uh, all-star first baseman for the Mets, who late in his career signed with the Cleveland Indians for one million dollars and was faked an injury basically for the entire season and never even really suited up for the Indians. He just came here for the paycheck because a million bucks was a lot of money back in that those days. Um, and he just took the paycheck and, and never really, you know, was serious was, about playing. What was that uh, mid mid eighties or I'm trying right. to remember when that was? Yeah, probably mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the entire team payroll was probably twenty five million back in those days, and you know, and he's, he's one of the highest paid guys on the team. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting there collecting a paycheck for a million bucks, and there was it was very obvious from the get go that he would be rather be in New York City partying than with his teammates. So anyways, we hope that's not the case. Uh, we hope that um, <laughs> right. with all that we're dealing with, um, some winning football comes our way. Um, yep, that's what we all want. Definitely, definitely. So, okay. Any, any words in closing, Jeff? I can't top the Keith Hernandez. No, I think you did pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. We'll save the rest for next time. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Always Positive Jay uh, for joining us. Um, give him a follow at Always Positive Jay. That's just the initial J at the end. Check out his podcast, Voice of the Land podcast. Uh, this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time.